Welcome to episode 202 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, so you're convinced. Backpacking is your new thing and you're headed out to buy the latest and best of everything from the packing list. We'll share a few reasons to slow down before you buy. Then we've got a four-in-one piece of gear that will keep you protected from the elements. For today's hack, a simple paradigm shift that will give you the most psychological bang for your buck when it comes to using your stove. All this, and that's about it, today on The First 40 Miles. It's tempting when you get introduced to a sport, activity, or hobby to want to jump in and buy everything, to buy the latest and the best of all the gear that you need in order to fully participate in this new obsession of yours. We have a neighbor who's really into cooking. I thought I was into cooking, but he is really into cooking and bought one of those sous vide things. You know, they keep water at a certain temperature and you put your meat in a vacuum sealed bag and you put it in the water and it just stays there for hours floating around at this perfect cooking temperature and then all the juices get sealed into the meat and the flavor and the herbs, everything that you put in that vacuum sealed pouch all cooks together. That is like taking cooking to the next, the next, next level. So, I mean, no matter what activity or sport or hobby you're into, there's always going to be fun, new, exciting, cutting edge, bizarre, cool gear to buy. The activity that we're getting into real soon is that we're buying another house and we're moving. And this house was built over a hundred years ago. And so we've been reading a bunch of stuff about restoring and, and renovating old houses. And we have so many projects to do that we feel like we have to just hit the ground running and do everything. But as we've been reading, we've learned that it's probably better to take a little bit of time, live in the house for a little while, see what is truly important, see what needs to be done first, get a feel for you know, where to focus and where to concentrate our efforts and how to prioritize the stuff that we're going to work on. And like, for example, we thought, okay, right away, we're going to get rid of all of the plaster walls and put up sheetrock. And then we read online that it's possible to preserve the plaster walls and restore them. And we thought, huh, okay, maybe we're going to do that. And so along the way, we're learning all these things that maybe we're going to try to preserve or restore what we have rather than jumping in and putting in everything brand new yeah, right the, from the start. Right. The big thing with old houses, too, is the old windows. I guess a lot of people knock those out and put in the new vinyl windows. But if you keep the old windows, you can actually restore them and put in new glass if you don't like the warbly you know, old-fashioned looking glass. So there are ways to live in the house the way it is and kind of do the slow, methodical updating of that home. 
And when I was getting ready for that backpacking trip four years ago, when I hadn't been backpacking for a long time and I knew I needed to uh, essentially refresh all of my gear, I had that same dilemma the summer before the trip. I was thinking, oh, I've got all this new stuff that I need to get. Where do I even start? It was a bit overwhelming until I realized that I could prioritize my gear purchases. And my pack was one thing that was right up at the top of the list. I needed a new pack. I researched that out and I found one. And now four years later, I still love my Deuter pack that I bought. But some other things I realized I could prioritize down further on the list and could even make do with things that I already had. So that when I hit the trail for that trip four years ago, not everything on me was brand new. I jumped in in a little bit different way. I didn't really have anything except for a sleeping bag and, you know, kind of those little basic things like toilet paper and band-aids. But I didn't have a pack. There were a lot of clothes that I needed. And so I just kind of, I don't know if I did it the wrong way, but it would have been nice to kind of do it a little more slowly and methodically. But you only had a week, so. I did. And I'm really happy with the gear that I chose. But now that I've been backpacking a few more times, I don't always bring the original gear that I chose four years ago because my priorities have shifted a little bit. I've been introduced to different gear. My comfort level has kind of changed on some things. You know, all those things that kind of shift a little bit over time. And But I'm really grateful for the gear that I had when I first started. But it's not the same now as it was four years ago. I use different gear. And taking your time and really planning out your gear choices and your gear purchases gives you the chance to ask that question, what do I really need instead of what do I really want? Because that want question usually leads to impulsive purchases, which can mean you might be carrying more stuff than you need or stuff that doesn't actually match your needs. So for today's top five list, we want to talk about the top five reasons why you shouldn't buy all your gear at once. Even if you've been listening to the podcast for four years and you know what you want to get, we are begging you, slow down, stop, wait, and make sure that you're giving yourself some time to actually accumulate this gear in a way that makes sense. So the number one reason why you shouldn't buy all your gear at once is that some gear isn't as essential as it sounds. So if you're going all gung-ho and you head to your local outdoor store to buy everything you think you need, some gear on the shelves will look so cool and they'll make it look so essential. They'll put it in the display. So you're looking at this display and it just looks like, oh, of course, everyone brings this fill-in-the-blank. Or this is a feature that everyone needs while backpacking. So the more trips you go on, the more experience you'll have to really understand what you need and what you don't need. You might take something and after five trips, you realize you've never used it. Well, hopefully that's not something really expensive that you bought right off the bat. Hopefully it's something that you just grabbed from the closet or whatever and didn't pay a lot of money for because you ended up learning that you didn't really need it. You never used it. And on the other hand, after you've been out on a few trips, you may look back and say, wow, you know, I really wish I had such and such because it would just make my trips that much better. I can see how I would have used it every single time or almost every trip. Now you know, okay, I can go buy that 
because I know I'm going to use it. Yeah, I think we've talked about this idea when it comes to pillows. Like a lot of people, they're just like, I don't need a pillow. I can just go out with my stuff sack full of clothes and use my clothes as a pillow. That is a great hack. But after doing that for a while, maybe you decide that you actually do want to get a pillow. So instead of buying the pillow right at the very beginning, go out a few times and use your clothing bag hack and see how it works for you. And if it's not working for you, then that's the time to buy another piece of gear. But you might just find that you don't even need it. The number two reason why you shouldn't buy all your gear at once is that you may miss out on online-only gear from small niche companies. Your local outdoor store is limited by their square footage. They really can't have everything. And if you go to an outdoor store and you buy all your gear at once, you may miss out on some of those lesser known brands from some of those little cottage companies. An example of this that we saw recently when we were on the Pacific Crest Trail is Dirty Girl Gators. Gators are a piece of gear that keep dust, dirt, rocks out of your shoe. They're great if you're prone to getting stuff in your shoes. And of course, every outdoor store is going to have gators, but this particular brand happens to be really popular on the Pacific Crest Trail. Another example of online-only gear is ultralight gear. Chances are you will find exactly what you're looking for from ultralight backpacking online retailers. The local outdoor store, of course, wants to carry stuff that people are going to buy, but you got to recognize that the local store has different priorities when they decide what to stock than the priorities that you may have. Because you're so individual, you may have your own unique set of priorities, whereas the outdoor store, they may prioritize things like supply chain management decisions, uh, buying stuff because they know they'll be able to have consistent stocking of the shelves, stuff like that that is not important at all to you. You just need one item of gear. And so when you look at those smaller cottage manufacturers, you may be able to find that one piece of gear that's the perfect fit for what you're looking for. The number three reason why you shouldn't buy all your gear at once is that the more you go out, the more you'll learn your body and your backpacking style. Are you a hot sleeper or a cold sleeper? Are you a fan of merino, synthetic, down, polypropylene, yak wool? Are you a heavy sweater? Are you a hat person? Are you a trucker hat person? Do you like high socks or do you prefer ankle socks? Do you like to keep things slim and trim or do you like to dangle things all over the outside of your pack? So the more you backpack, the more you'll refine your style and learn how your body works with the gear that you're using. The two of us are cold sleepers, so we've prioritized putting in an extra half pound or pound to get a sleeping bag that actually keeps us warm enough at night. Well, on the other hand, we're okay going stoveless and saving a pound or so in stove and fuel, or even tentless and saving several pounds on the tent. The number four reason why you shouldn't buy all your gear at once is because you need a lot less than you think you do. If you buy all your gear at once, you really do risk overbuying. And someone who's brand new to backpacking, if you ask them, how many pairs of pants are you going to bring on this week-long trip? Or how many pairs of socks are you going to pack? A pair a day, right? Yeah, and anyone who's been out backpacking more than a few times is going to know the answer to that. You don't need a pair a day. And with underwear, 
my 13-year-old, bless his heart, he did pack a pair of underwear a day for our trip on the Pacific Crest Trail. And I said, well, why don't you just kind of, you know, switch off back and forth? And he just said, that's disgusting. I'm not going to do that. So, and that's part of kind of figuring out what you're comfortable with. Maybe you do need a pair a day. Maybe a fresh pair of socks every day is going to go on your personal packing list or a fresh pair of underwear every day. But you don't need to start out that way. There's a good chance that you need a lot less than you think you do. The number five reason why you shouldn't buy all your gear at once is that it's really hard for a beginner to tell between technology improvements and fads. When I first started backpacking, Osprey had this moldable belt, which to me sounded like a technology improvement that would make my pack more comfortable and would make it custom fit just for me. But the more I thought about it, I recognized it as maybe a fad or a marketing gimmick. Maybe it's not. Maybe it really is better. But I didn't really want to spend the extra to find out. And as you've probably noticed with cars, with phones, anything, the most expensive up-to-date gear on the shelves will always be replaced next season by something even better even more expensive, even more bells and whistles, except for the exploding phone. I think that was not a uh, technological update. Well, I, I mean, so the exploding Samsungs were the latest greatest thing one year. And if you bought them the latest greatest, then you had a potentially exploding phone. <laughs> and if you waited a year or two, then you could have avoided that purchase altogether and got the next latest greatest thing that didn't explode. Yeah, so that's another reason to wait on gear, because these technology improvements and fads may not be improvements at all. It could be stepping backward. Right, and after something has been out a year or two, then you can read up on forums and other spots online where people can share their real experiences they've had with that gear over a long enough period of time to really say, this is definitely better, or, yeah, I, I tried it out, but... It just cost twice as much as the next best thing and, and wasn't really any better. Well, I remember hearing a few years ago about a backpacking pot that would charge your phone. So as you boiled water for your dinner, you would put this pot on a stove and also plug in your phone so it would charge. Well, that sounded like an incredible technology improvement. It sounded like something every backpacker would love. But as I learned more about it, I discovered that it would only work if there was actually water boiling in the pot. And then at that same time, you would be using up a lot of your fuel to boil water that you probably didn't need to be boiling in order to charge your phone. So yes, it was new technology, but I didn't really feel like it was a technological improvement, even though I was wowed by it at first and thought, oh, this is great, this is the best thing ever. So when it comes to technology improvements and fads, there will always be something better, lighter, stronger, smarter, and sometimes it pays to just kind of wait and see if it's something that you actually really need. And in the end, the best way to gear up for backpacking really is the long, slow, methodical, thoughtful accumulation of gear. There's a better chance if you do it this way that you'll use what you buy and you'll weather the fads and make purchases that will last you a lifetime of backpacking. 
For today's Summit Gear Review, we'll be reviewing the Thermarest Honcho Poncho. Yes, this is the same Thermarest that makes those great pads, the inflatable ones, and the ones that are just closed cell foam that are practically bulletproof. <laughs> we love them. Thermarest is a great company, innovative, and they're always putting out things for backpackers that are relevant. So today we're reviewing the Honcho Poncho which to me sounds like a fad. Like a fad. The honcho poncho. But it's a technical piece of gear. It's a technical poncho blanket jacket pillow. It's one of those four-in-one pieces of gear. So I guess the best way to describe it is that it's an insulated poncho. So it's kind of like a jacket, but it also has a DWR coating, a durable water repellent coating, so you can use it like a poncho. It has a water-resistant breathable shell. So this is going to be best maybe in the fall and springtime when you're getting that light rain. Not meant for summer thunderstorms. Probably best used for just sprinkles. For utility, the honcho poncho, when it's worn, has a kangaroo pocket, which means you can stick both of your hands in to keep them warm. And then on top of that, it has a zip pocket. So you can stick all your gear in there. You could even stick one of those cool Zippo hand warmers in there and it'll keep y'all toasty. The honcho poncho can be used as a light jacket, but it can also double as a light blanket. And this is great if you're gonna be hammock camping because it's always nice to have just that extra bit of insulation, either something you can put underneath your hammock or just something that you can cuddle up with inside your hammock. The Honcho Poncho uses 37.5 insulation, which is a special kind of insulation that's meant to insulate you at the same rate that your body produces moisture. So 37.5 has been introduced into a lot of different products. The company 37.5 doesn't actually sell gear. What they do is they use their technology in lots of different products. So on a past episode, I think we talked about 0.6 socks that use 37.5 insulation in them. So yeah, it's a numbers game. It's just numbers, <laughs> but it's really great insulation. The Thermarest Honcho Poncho also has a hood attached to it, which is cinchable. And the sides of the Honcho Poncho can be snapped together to create the poncho slash jacket, or they can be unsnapped to create that big blanket. For mass, the Thermarest Honcho Poncho weighs one pound, 12 ounces, and when it's packed into itself, into that little zippered pocket, it measures 16 inches by 12 inches, which to me is the perfect size for a pillow. So when it's completely packed into itself, it makes a great pillow, if you're not already using it as a blanket. For maintenance, you can machine, wash, and dry the Honcho Poncho. For investment, it comes in at $130, and for trial, I found that the Honcho Poncho had more coverage than a jacket. It was much longer than a traditional backpacking puffy. And because it is a poncho, it means that one size fits all. I love gear that's multi-use, and that's why I like the Honcho Poncho, because it can provide that insulation for you. It can provide some rain coverage. It can provide an extra layer at night if you just need another blanket or if you want to use it as a pillow. It's a great multi-use piece of insulating gear. This was one of the pieces of gear that we brought with us on a recent camp out. It wasn't backpacking. 
It was just car camping, but it was one of those summer nights where the temperatures started to dip down, and I just wanted something wrapped around me. And so I got out the honcho poncho and I wore it and it was just cozy and warm and everyone loved it because it was a bright yellow color called lemon curry. The other three colors are Poseidon, olivine, and deep purple. So of course it's just yellow, blue, green, and purple. Right. <laughs> you have to give them these really cool names. And this really shouldn't be your primary insulation. It's meant to be an extra insulating layer so that if you do need just something to up your warmth or to add to your sleeping bag or something to just wrap around you if it's getting chilly at night or when you get out of your sleeping bag in the morning, then the honcho poncho can be that extra insulating layer. And we'll have a link to the Thermarest Honcho Poncho and all the information about it in today's show notes at thefirst40miles.com slash 202. For today's Backpack Hack of the Week, save your fuel for breakfast. A lot of backpackers, when they wake up in the morning, they'll cook up a hot breakfast, and then throughout the afternoon, there'll be some of that trail grazing that doesn't require any cooking, just like granola bars and M&Ms and beef jerky and things like that. And then at night for dinner, they have a hot meal with their stove. So if you want to save fuel... Literally cut your fuel use in half. Just cook breakfast. Hear me out, because I have a good reason for this. For dinner, you don't really need a hot meal. You're getting into camp. You're probably warm. The sun is probably setting, so it's not too cold yet. And you can have something like a tortilla with some tuna salad in it and some mayonnaise and mustard. It doesn't have to be a hot meal for dinner. But when you wake up in the morning, everything is cold. It's always cold in the morning. And starting up that stove in the morning, getting the water boiling, and adding the oatmeal, and holding that warm cup of oatmeal in the morning, and letting the steam hit your face, and just breathing in the warm air. Oh, that is the best feeling in the world. That is why you need to save your fuel for breakfast. So if you want to cut your fuel use in half, use the fuel for breakfast to have a nice warm breakfast that you can hold in your hands, that you can use to warm you up that morning until the sun finally does warm everything up around you. On our recent backpacking trip, I chose to do muesli in the morning, and I just did Ziploc bag style breakfast. So I put the muesli in a Ziploc bag, and then I just added water each morning. Well, it was so cold one of the mornings, we woke up with frost on our sleeping bags because we had slept without a tent. And when the dew landed on our sleeping bags, it froze to our sleeping bags. And the last thing in the world that I wanted that morning was to hold a cold bag of muesli. So I actually skipped breakfast that morning and ended up eating jelly beans and M&Ms a little bit later in the morning. But uh, yeah, if you're going to use fuel on a trip, save it for breakfast. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Dag Hamarhweld. He said, go as far as the eye can see, and when you get there, look farther. 
That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you're looking for fun backpacking books and merch, check out thefirst40miles.com slash shop. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. And when I was getting ready for our first backpacking trap, uh, trap. <laughs> I think you've done that before. That's terrible. <laughs> it's like I tricked you into taking uh-huh. me backpacking. <laughs> Freudian. It was a, it was a trap. Yeah. Okay, it wasn't a trap. It was a trip. <laughs> oh.